This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best of your sports talk for Monday, August the 5th. I'm your host, D.A., and perhaps the greatest football player ever has a new contract. Tom Brady signs a contract extension with the New England Patriots following another Super Bowl championship back in February. That's six for Tom Brady and the Patriots under Belichick and number 12. But a lot of people around the NFL wondering, will Tom Brady fulfill another year after this one? So how long can Tom Brady play? And is this just the new normal for the Patriots renegotiating his deal every year? Let's listen to Adam Schefter, NFL insider, who joined the morning show with Greg Hill on WEEI in Boston. How close was Brady to holding out? Um, you know, <laughs> uh, not a thing that he's done in the past. Uh, was that was that a possibility this go round? I think the chance of Tom Brady holding out or ever holding out are zero point zero zero percent. I don't even think it's a thought that ever crosses his mind. I don't think it's ever something that he would do. I don't think that that would even be an option. They were always going to sell this, and 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 I heard you mention the numbers three seventy. Honestly, it means absolutely zero. Okay, the only number that matters is there are there are two that matter. One, they boosted a salary this year from $15 million to $23 million. And the reason they got to the $23 million was because that's where Drew Brees came in this year. And they figured they would get him up to that spot. I mean, you, look, you could pay Tom Brady 40 50 60 It doesn't really matter. He's worth every single penny that you pay him. But this is a number that rewards him, gives him more than he was scheduled to make, shows that he's in the top six highest-paid quarterbacks in the game, even though we all know his value is number one in the game, and, and let's not forget this, it frees up $5.5 million against the cap this year. So there is another win for Brady and the Patriots in the sense that they can go out and go use that money in other places when it is needed at some point this summer or this fall. And look, when you bring up three years and $70 million, like I said, the two years that are left on this deal after this year, beyond this year, are meaningless, completely meaningless. Because if Tom Brady's going to play next year and the year after, or whatever year it is, they will go back and revisit this contract every single year for his sake, for the team's sake, to clear up cap space, to get him more cash and make sure that he's fairly compensated. The numbers that are attached to the deal mean zero, zero. It is the raise that he gets this year and the cap savings to the team for this year. 
what role do you think Gronk's retirement played in Tom's desire to get a new deal done, if any? I don't think any at all. Um, now, listen, if you want to bring up Gronk in this, when when they free up the 5-5 five, five yesterday, in the back of my mind, I wonder, ooh, that, that, that might come in handy if Rob does decide he wants to play later in the season, November or December, which who knows if that has. But that that's the kind of thing that you want to have that rainy day slush fund money in your back pocket just in case something like that happens. So, uh, again, but, you know, Brady wanting an extension because Gronk is gone or he feels like he's not going to have a security. No, I don't any of that at all. What, what, I mean, is, what, yeah. what is your educated guess on Gronk? Will, will he take a snap this season or not? I think every single one of us are probably just guessing. Um, when do you think we hear from Roger Goodell with regard to any discipline uh, or no discipline when it comes to Mr. Kraft? It's a great question. Again, we think that they'll continue to review the facts of the case. The fact that we're in August and we haven't heard anything leads me to believe that that may be a glimpse into what we're going to be getting there. But I don't know that for sure. And And by the way, um, I, I, I personally am not expecting much of anything there. And if something is handed down, and I think it would be a little bit unexpected to me, I mean, I, I don't know what it would be, but I don't think it's going to be very much. The most amazing thing about Tom Brady is simply that he has almost never paid at the very top end of the salary structure for quarterbacks in the NFL, and this is it again. I mean, Tom Brady obviously can squeeze the Patriots for whatever he wants, and he's getting paid like the sixth highest quarterback in the NFL. Now, at this point in time, is he better than that? Absolutely. And perhaps after his career is done, the Patriots have promised him some other type of role with some other type of salary that doesn't hurt against the cap, perhaps having his TB12 lab on the grounds of Gillette Stadium as a way to make it up. I mean, there's plenty of other ways the Patriots can make up that money. But when you look at the total salary just against the salary cap of one of the greatest players ever and how it helps the Patriots build another roster around him to help them flesh out talent and depth, it's pretty amazing that Brady never takes top dollar from the Patriots, and you've got to give him credit for that. Dak Prescott one day perhaps will win a Super Bowl. The Cowboys are certainly hoping so, but if you are a NFL player in 2019, you know that if there's any downs, any losses, playoff defeats, you're going to hear about it on social media. How about Dak Prescott? He joined 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Hey, Dak, how much time do you spend on your phone worrying about what other people are saying? What's your experience with social media? Uh, I mean, like how much do you do it? Do people do it for you? How much are you on it? Yeah. I mean, I'm not on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I wouldn't say I spend a lot of time on Instagram. Uh, I don't dive into the comments. Um, so, uh, it's just, there's just some kind somewhat to get away. So I don't necessarily want to get on Twitter and, and just look into all football. Uh, I mean, I do that for a living. This is my job. I know, I know what I'm good at. I know the things that I'm not doing well. I'm my biggest critic and I always say that. So uh, I don't need to dive in to see what other people are saying, um, out there about me or about this team. Yes. Yeah, poison. It's, it's super 100%. poisonous. I was just curious. If you <laughs> That's why Jeff's on it all the time. <laughs> yeah. I'm on it all the time and it's a hundred percent poisonous. Yeah. Uh, so like everybody is constantly talking about it and it's 
like the Cowboys have a lot of contracts that they're working on right now. So everybody is constantly talking about how much is player X worth? How much? And I just wondered, do do you have an opinion on how much the media should be paid? Mm. (laughs) That's a good one right there. Uh, I guess I need to look at uh, some of these other contracts uh, just to see the range, I guess. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, no, you know, I don't care. Uh, they're doing their job. That's their job. How happy are you to play quarterback and not running back? Oh, very happy. Uh, I mean, honestly, I just love this position. A lot of things that come with it. Uh, you, you get the heat, and that's something that um, that I've always taken, and, and it's something that I embrace. I'm fine with it because uh, you also you get the credit. But uh, it's not about that. It's just being able to go out there and, and knowing you've got – um, all 10 guys and all 53 other guys or whatever, 52 other guys on the team, uh, you've got their back and you're out there leading them, uh, and there's no better position in sports. It seems like over the last three years, you and Zeke have become pretty tight. How much do you so far early in camp just miss having one of your buddies? Uh, yeah, I mean, I miss him a lot, obviously. Uh, he's been shooting me texts here lately pretty much every day. Uh, we've been going back and forth on text messaging. So he, uh, even away from the away from the football field, uh, you miss a good friend like him. What's his setup like down there as far as working out and stuff? Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it. Uh, I know him and a couple offensive linemen took a trip out there, I want to say last off offseason. Uh, took a trip out to his little Cabo spot or whatever and enjoyed some time, but um, I'm not really sure. I'm sure it's nice. I'm sure it's, he's out there doing exactly what he needs to do, nutrition, training, making himself a better football player. So one of the one of the big sports radio and internet topics is how confident would you be that you could still accomplish your goals if he he was unavailable for the season? I don't see that happening. Uh, that's just me. I don't, I don't want to think that way or even try to put ourselves in that position I don't see that happening but I know the good thing that we can take away from this training camp or from the time of him not being here is there's a lot of running uh, young running backs that we're going to need when the season comes um, and this is just a great opportunity for them to get more reps for them to tighten up their game get better um, and it's going to serve this team well at the end of the day what have you noticed from having Jason Witten early on in your career not having him last year and now having him back so far in training camp uh, he's just a different guy. He's somebody that you can't replace. Uh, he's not somebody that uh, you say we're going to place by committee or, or this guy can do what Jason Witten does because that's absolutely um, that's absolutely false. He's just a leader on and off the field, the way he carries himself. And then obviously when he goes out there uh, and straps up, his production is unreal, and he's had a great great camp so far. Now that he's bald-headed, can we get some yak out of him? Uh, I think so, more aerodynamic. Yeah. Uh, he's ready to roll, <laughs> trust me. Good for Dak to not fall into the trap of paying attention to what other people say about you. Because you could only imagine, you know, John Unitas, Joe Montana, certainly even Tom Brady and Peyton Manning early in their careers before social media, they would hear talk radio or read columns of the newspaper about people crushing them, criticizing them. But it wasn't the same as social media where every single day you're bombarded by it avalanche of different opinions from all different corners and walks of life. So for Dak, you are in a brave new world as a young quarterback that hasn't won anything yet of significance. You know what? Good for you. Stay off of the social media. Meantime, the Houston Texans are wondering in a crowded AFC South, where do they stand? Here's Super Bowl champion Sean O'Hara, who is an offensive lineman for the Giants under Eli Manning when he won championships, now working for the NFL Network, who joined Clint and Kamla on Houston's Sports Radio 610. Where do the Texans rank in that division? You know, you have your finger on the pulse of all 32 teams, including the Texans. Do you perceive them, Sean, as we're about to start the 2019 season as a contender, a fringe contender, 
or not a contender? Well, they're definitely a contender. I think when you look at the fact that they've got, I think, the best receiver in the game right now, DeAndre Hopkins, um, you know, he, he's all, he gives you a chance to win pretty much every Sunday. Obviously, what Deshaun Watson has brought uh, down to that franchise uh, since he arrived. Um, obviously, a, a lot of explosive plays. You know, I, I think the big question that everybody wants to know is, you know, which team are they? Are they the team that kind of started out slow last year? Um, or are they the team that kind of got hot and, and went on that big win streak? Um you know they're a little bit of, of of two extremes right there. So definitely, you know they need some more consistent play. Um, obviously, up front that's a big part of it. Um, you know I, I still you know the the image that is forever stained in in my mind is the fact that your starting quarterback has to take a bus to a road game because he's so beat up he can't get on an airplane. So I think they they've tried to shore some of that up offensively, obviously with the draft and and with free agency. Um, that's a big part of, of that offense being more consistent. But uh, really the question mark is, is just, you know, when does Clowney show up? And, and I think when he's on the field, they're a dangerous defense. Um, certainly nobody down there wants to know what that defense looks like without him. Uh, but uh, with him and J.J. Watt, um, th- those are two guys that can wreck any any game on any given Sunday. Sean O'Hara, NFL Network analyst, joins us on Clinton Camelot. Sean, I want to take you back to some of your playing days, man. I mean, here in here in Houston, they drafted two young offensive linemen. Um, clearly, the offensive line was a mess last year, and so those guys at some point, maybe not start for one of them, but but they're going to have to contribute heavily this year. Have, have you uh, anything from your your playing days where you had to play next to, or you had to play early, but you had to play next to a rookie? In, anything that any insight you can give us on how that guy can fast track and be a true player on this team day one? Yeah, I, I've kind of seen um, the best of, of of that world, and 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 also seen some guys struggle. You know, I think the mental side of of the game from an offensive lineman, it's you know, it, it can be a little bit overwhelming. You know, I, I think offensive linemen really have to. You've got to be the the smartest guys on on your team because. There is so much that you have to understand. You've got to know what you're doing as an offense. You've got to figure out what the defense is doing and anticipate a lot of that. I think in college football, you're basically you're, – you're, you have tunnel vision. You're focused on your job, who you have to block on each play, um, and then it really doesn't expand upon that until you get to the league. So a lot of times – um, physically, you're ready to, to make the jump. Uh, mentally, you may uh, hit some speed bumps. But I, I played next to Chris Snead. We drafted him with the first pick in the second round out of Boston College. And physically, we knew right away, man, this guy can hang. He's strong. He's tough. He was nasty. Um, he got after guys. Um, there were some times where, you know, look, he got beat just because he didn't really exactly know what he was doing on a play. And when you don't know what you're doing, you can't go full speed. You can't go – uh, 100 miles an hour, and and that kind of that you know that kind of takes the the wind out of your sails. So, I think the mental side of it is big. Um, obviously, Titus Howard, um, you know he's a, he's a physical guy, and, and and you know they picked him in the first round to to try to step in. I think at tackle, the big challenge is just man, the guys are so good with their hands. So. Um, you know, are you a puncher? And, and if you're not a puncher early on, you find out that along with the speed, that they have a lot of power. So that, that can be tough to handle. I think if you're a Texans fan, you've got to expect to contend and be a contender in the AFC because look at that division. Yes, last year it was the 
the Colts, who came into Houston and won a wild card round game when the Texans were the division winner. And yes, we would think that maybe the Colts would take a step forward this year. But now seeing the injury to Andrew Luck, I don't think you can honestly say that the Colts are much better than the Texans. Also, when you have the Jacksonville Jaguars, they should bounce back. Last year was a disaster, but you add a guy like Nick Foles to quarterback, the Jaguars should be much improved. And who knows if they can get back to where they were two years ago in an AFC championship game. So you've got a crowded field in the AFC South, a number of teams that are probably very close to one another. And so if you are a Texans fan, you should expect to be competing in that conversation for that division. And in the AFC, let's face it, there's always the Patriots, but the Kansas City Chiefs, can they rebound from after that terrible AFC championship game loss with what has happened with Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt and from some defensive defections as well? You have the Steelers. They could bounce back. You have a team like the Ravens. Maybe they take a step forward. You have a 12-win Chargers team from last year. Maybe they are a new contender. But let's face it, in the AFC, you can definitely thrust yourself into contender status if you're the Houston Texans by really doing what you needed to do last year and then taking it a little bit of a step farther. Speaking of the Kansas City Chiefs, a team that was in the AFC title game last year and hosted it, had the best record in the conference is looking for even more this year. Can they get to their first Super Bowl since 1969? Well, one of the big things is going to be obviously the progression of their superstar quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. But how about that defense? There's been a few defections from the defense. And can they be better from a pass defense standpoint? Well, the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, is going to be part of that D. And as we watch... Hall of Fame weekend disperse, and guys like Ed Reed get their love. Brian Dawkins a couple of years ago got their love. A safety, Troy Palomalo, who should get into the Hall of Fame perhaps next year. Could Matthew be at that level? Let's listen to Show and Vern on KCSP, 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City. Why can't Tyron Matthew be Brian Dawkins? Huh? Why can't Tyron Matthew be Troy Palomalo. Let that sit in just for a second, Vern. How come he can't? Got me dazed, man. I'm just saying, listen. And I I got to be one to tell you. I got to be one to tell you. I I said, hey, let's not over, o- over-believe what Tyron Matthew can be because in his time in the league, he's been a real solid safety who has a tendency to make, you know, playmaking plays. He'll get turnovers. He's done it since college. But why can't he grow? Why can't he be, uh, you know, those guys? And, yes, it would be unusual, Vern, because generally in football, when you start to rise to an age of 27 like he is, 27, 28 years old, that's generally the person's prime, and they generally settle in right there. You don't really see players in football at that age, Vern, take a leap up to be better. But uh, there are anomalies, and and I think Tyron Matthew could fit into that. And if you've watched him on the practice field, and we'll have some guys up there. We'll talk to Pete later who's been up there, Ken Swanson who we'll have on later who's been up there. You see guys and watch him and understand how Spags wants to use him in that Brian Dawkins way. You can see, okay, 
Now there's ownership of him. He is actually being looked at as a person, as a focal point to the defense. I think he is somebody. You talked about Kendall Fuller yesterday, Vern. Why can't he take a step the way Chris Jones is because of his age? Even though he's 27, Vern, I think he can take a step up to 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 another level. I agree he can take a step. Was I that agree. a little strong? What, what, was yes. Brian Dawkins a Hall of Famer and Troy a little strong? I I don't know. If you got to ask the question, then it's yes. Do you feel guilty about the haymaker already? 90 seconds after I it? don't. I'm just, I, I, I trust you. I believe in you and the family. Once again, I'm not looking at the text line. I'm not doing it. But what I, I don't know what they're saying, but I, why can't he though, right? <laughs> he can't be Brian Dawkins or who'd you say? Ed Reed, Troy Polamalu? Yeah, he's All not. A, he's not an Ed type safety. Ed and okay. I think Brian Dawkins and, and Brian Dawkins and Troy Polamalu. If Spag said this is what I want him as a a, a Swiss knife, it would be in the form of those two type of. So players. you're not the Black Knight right now because I feel like that kind of line, the Black Knight would have to swoop in and teach you a thing or two about the careers of Brian Dawkins and Troy Polamalu. I think putting him up with the Hall of Famers ever is certainly a little bit overboard because when you think about Ed Reed, Palomalu, Brian Dawkins, in their primes, they were on one team for the entirety of it, and those teams would never let them go. And you have a guy like Matthew who has changed squads really still in his prime. So I think that Matthew can't be put in that regard, but he's a very, very good safety, a very good defensive back, and a guy that creates some big plays and turnovers, something that the Kansas City Chiefs defense desperately needs if they're going to get back to an AFC title game and perhaps beyond. Over to baseball. How about New York baseball? The Yankees complete a sweep of the Red Sox over the weekend, and the New York Mets left for dead no more than two weeks ago are on an epic tear, pulling themselves to within just a hair under 500. Here's Boomer and Geo, Boomer Esiason and Greg Giannotti on WFAN in the Big Apple. When things were starting to turn early on, before I went on vacation, it was all about, well, what happens if they do this or they do that? Are you excited about them now or what's going to happen? And I kept saying, if they get to 500... I will take them seriously again. So I can't quite do it yet because that's my line of demarcation. You can't do it yet. I can't do it yet because I told you, you 500. Watching, have you been watching them play baseball? Yes, now? I saw it right, yesterday, so now, 13 to 1. Right. They could. I mean, Juan Lagares got a hit for crying out loud, so you know special things are happening. Well, special things are happening to the point where, you know, now Cano's going to be out for uh, a little bit of time, right. depending on how strained his hamstrings. He's actually running around first base. So the guy goes, what, 9 for his last 15 and then pulls a hamstring. Perfect. Because he was actually running out of the box. Mm. That's twice now, by the way. This that is he what has happens. hurt himself because he is hustling. But this is what happens when you when you have guys at his age making his money. I'm, I'm, this is why there are analytics people now in baseball mm-hmm. because this is what they tell you: the propensity for injury is significant at at his age. And when you're paying that kind of money, what are you getting in return when a guy gets hurt? Nothing. Well, now that you've seen him pull two muscles, a quad and a hamstring hustling. Kind of reminds me of you a little bit. Yeah, I know. Well, at least I'm a, a lot cheaper than he is. Yeah, but but, I, but he's, you know, he's he's 
going to stay on the team. He's not leaving the team. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Although we'd love him to. It'd be nice if, if he but, but actually now, but, but resigned. Now, but you know what? No, we'll see now. We'll see if the, if the Mets can do what the Yankees have been doing. And can the Mets kind of stay with this little role that they're on? But organizational depth really isn't the Mets' strength, where the Yankees have sort of yeah, shown but you that. Can't, but you can't sit here and tell me. I know that you know some of the signings that Brian Cashman did in the offseason, LeMayu and Talkman being two of them, you know, were big deals, okay? And we didn't realize that they were going to play significant roles more LeMayu than Talkman, but Talkman's been great. He's been a very good defensive outfielder and it's actually hit a little bit well, more. Well, that than happened they, right at the end of spring training, the Talkman right, thing. Right. And they and they they figured that, you know, he was going to hit, you know, not hit that much, but he was going to be a good defensive, you know, outfielder, which he's turned out to be. But he's also had some big hits and he looks great. You know, this guy's a former quarterback, he's a good athlete and uh, he found his way here at the Yankee pinstripes. Uh, but, you know, I just I just think that when this season is over with, it's going to come down to honestly playing the Astros in the ALCS. That's that's to me what it's going to come down to. Because the Astros are rolling. And you talk about trading for a pitcher who was not pitching great, but then all of a sudden gets into that rotation. Aaron Sanchez uh, over the weekend was unbelievable. You know, John Smoltz came in here on Friday with us, mm-hmm. and he said maybe the one guy that in all of these trade de- deadline deals and all that other stuff that will make the biggest difference could be Aaron Sanchez because he was not sure really what he was in Toronto. Was he a starter? Was he a reliever? They put him back at starter again. Now he's going to be within this this pitching centric baseball team in in Houston that seems to be to have the Midas touch with these guys. And the fact that he was a part of a you know combined no hitter the first time he's out there just goes to everything that John Smoltz was saying about just the significance this signing could be for the Astros. So let's face it, it's going to come down to the Astros and the Yankees in the ALCS. Yeah, I'm saying I, that now, I, and I know that I, I normally would never say that, but the way these two teams are playing, I don't see anybody stopping either one of them until they both meet in the ALCS. You got to give the Yankees credit because after getting walloped by the Red Sox at Fenway Park just a couple of weekends ago, they come back and they do the exact same to the Red Sox and might have effectively ended the Red Sox season. You know, for the Mets, it's kind of amazing every time it feels like it's two steps forward, one step back, because even with this tremendous tear that they're on, they're getting all of the offense at the right time. They're Bullpen is shaky, but still good enough. Edwin Diaz has given up a couple of crucial home runs and runs, but found ways to get out of it, and the offense is hitting. But then you have Robinson Cano now injured again, just as he was finally heating up after an epic swoon. So can the Mets keep this thing together, or is this just a moment in time for New York? People thought that the Mets would be way better than they were coming into the season, and now they're finally playing like it, but can they keep it up? They expended a lot of energy just getting back to within a whiff of 500. Finally, on the NBA front, Draymond Green gets a four-year, $100 million extension from the Golden State Warriors. Here's Joe Lowe and Dibs on 95.7 The Game in San Francisco. I think the Warriors got a steal here. I'm trying to figure out what the why is for Draymond. Remember, last summer... Three years, $72 million was on the table for an extension. He turned it down. He said, no way he's taking a discount. You do realize that the first three years of this extension are exactly three years, $72 million. He could have re-entered free agency a year earlier. 
than the year he got tacked on, which is fully guaranteed, of course, at $27.6 million. But there are, at the current moment, seven guys in the NBA that make $37 million or more per year. That's going into this season. There are 20 players in the NBA making $30 million or more per year this wow. season. There are 46 guys in the NBA making $25 million or more next season. 46 guys. Chris Middleton's making 30 million. Paul Millsap's making 30. DeRozan, 27.7. Andrew Wiggins, 27.5. D'Angelo Russell, his own teammate, is going to make 27.2. Otto Porter's making 27.2. Hassan Whiteside, 27 million. You're saying there's 46 guys in the NBA going into this season who will make $25 million this season or more for this year. My God. 46 players. I, I do not understand. I do not understand why he took this. To stay with the Warriors, I get it. And I don't think that the Warriors were going to hand him five years, $238 million if he went on to win Defensive Player of the Year this year or if he made one of the All-NBA teams. But he would have still qualified for a max of five at 204. Now, I'm not saying he gets that either. Maybe the Warriors don't offer him that. Maybe he can go out on the open market and get four for 151. You know, you're going to tell me no one is going to be out there willing to offer that next year. Have you seen the free agent class? Anthony Davis is at the top. He's probably going to re-sign with the Lakers. If he doesn't, he's out there. Who else? Mike Conley, Eric Gordon, Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Andre Drummond. It's a weak class. Supply and demand. A decent season this year. You don't think one team like the Knicks would overpay? I'm shocked by it. I'm Again, like I said, I'm sure there's a great reason he did this, and I'm sure he's secure, not knocking the reason... That he came up with, I just can't figure out the why behind I it. I think the why behind it is what he experienced all last year through KD, which was, are you staying or are you leaving? And it was day after day after day, and you saw how much that bothered Draymond, and it wasn't even about Draymond. This year, it would have been about Draymond Green. You know, Are you playing hard for the contract? Are you going to stay? Are you going to leave? I think by doing this, he takes that entire narrative off the board, and that's, that's probably his number one priority. I, I just think it's a bird in hand. is better than two in the bush. You're in a situation, you're Draymond Green, you're not a guy necessarily that's going to be out there as a prolific scorer. You're looking at this thing and saying, how much energy do I have? How much energy? What can I do? Am I going to be a guy? And yeah, he probably could have won on the market without it out, Joe. I think at that 150 mark, that 140, anywhere from 130 to 150, probably, you know. But he looks at it too and says, man, I'm getting older. Is injuries. Am my body breaking down? How many games are you starting to miss? You don't know. Everyone don't know what's going on in that man's body where he feels a little twins and say, man, God, I don't know how much, how many more years I got it. I know when latter part of my career, I was like, man, I'd run around at practice, run 100 miles an hour and act like I feel good. I'm going home like, man, I don't know how much I can do this. Like, <laughs> you, if you, you try to fool them. Big you know show. Big yeah, elaborate ex- ex- show. Exactly. <laughs> pop, pop there to leave. You take those to leave and get out there and practice hard as you can and think, okay, and get those extensions. But sometimes, guys, you just don't know kind of what's going on with these guys' bodies as well. I think when you lose Kevin Durant, you obviously want to keep the band back together for as long as possible and just make sure that... You can stay competitive. And so extending Clay Thompson a no-brainer, even with the injury, and you have Steph Curry under contract, and so then you lock in Draymond Green. And so you hope that you have a nucleus that can contend for a long time, especially with a brand-new arena where you're going to charge a lot of money. But I got to say that Draymond, two years into this extension, I think it's going to be questionable because we already saw during the regular season his game wear down. The postseason, he really came alive. But is it going to continue to be effective? Is he going to age well? Is this the type of game, the type of player that can play well into his 30s? Or did we see the best of Draymond Green already? I think there's a big risk in giving Draymond that money right now in his career. 
That's the best in your sports talk for Monday, August the 5th. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.